Emergency Preparedness Planning for Nursing Homes, a conversation with Penny Imes. This episode included an online demonstration of a toolkit. You can find a link to the video recording of this discussion, as well as the links to the toolkit in the description of this podcast. Good afternoon, and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19-related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who's interested to attend. Today, we will be discussing emergency preparedness planning for nursing homes. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communications specialist with Quality Insights, and now I'd like to introduce our guest today, Penny Imes. Penny is a quality improvement specialist at Quality Insights. She started her nursing career in acute care before moving into long-term care. Her positions in long-term care have included staff development, dementia unit manager, registered nurse assessment coordinator, and director of nursing. She found the perfect combination for herself at Quality Insights, where she is able to work in quality improvement with long-term care nursing homes. So Penny, welcome, and thank you for joining us again today. Thank you, Kathy. Um, And we're here today to talk about emergency preparedness. Um, Specifically, I know over the last couple months, you've probably been hearing from myself and my coworkers many times, and just about every email we send, we were asking you those CMS questions about safe visitor cohorting plans and emergency preparedness plans. Um, the responses that we got back from many of you were that that the majority of you did have an emergency preparedness plan in place, but there were some people who did not. And so one of the things that we decided to do based on that and also because of the changes that have occurred to the guidance uh, for many, to many um, guidance that we've had over the last couple of years, But um, for the guidance for the emergency preparedness plans with the Appendix Z, we decided to develop an an emergency preparedness plan outline and checklist that I'm going to share with you today. So it's a resource that we developed based on the information that was updated in Appendix Z. And um, we'll be throwing that up here in a a few minutes to show that to you. And then we'll be sharing, that will be one of the resources that will be available to our participating nursing homes. But just to, to go back over and give that quick background, I'm sure most of you know, but some of you may not. So I always like to, you know, try to start at the beginning and not the middle or the end. So really in September of 2016, um, CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, published the emergency preparedness requirements for Medicare and Medicaid participating providers and suppliers. And and the guidance was for many sectors of the healthcare systems, uh, including long-term care facilities. And really the rule required that nursing homes demonstrate that you're doing risk assessments writing appropriate emergency plans, establishing your policies and procedures, and then training and testing the plans with staff and partners in the community. Sort of like those fire drills where you used to choose a unit that you would evacuate, you would have the local fire company come in and assist with the evacuation. So those are things that we've had in place for a few years. That was implemented on November 15, 2017. 
And then some changes occurred, um, one of them being uh, some hurricanes that happened. And um, one specific incident that, that Deb Wright had, had shared and, and reminded me of was uh, the Hurricane Irma um, in Florida, where a facility lost power and many residents died. And there was a hospital just a few feet away that had emergency power up and running but none of the facility's residents were transported to uh, that facility that could have met their medical needs. Um, and so based on an, that incident and incidents similar to that, on September 30th, 2019, the Burden Reduction Funnel will release some guidelines um, and they made revisions again to the emergency preparedness plan requirements. Um, many of the changes didn't affect the nursing home industry, but one of those that did was uh, expanding guidance into emerging infectious diseases. Um, and this in definition was part of that all hazards approach um, that has part of you know, the final rule, even nursing homes had to have, it was what November, 2019, when everything needed to be implemented for that final rule. Now, at that point in time, when they were talking about emerging infectious diseases, it was really, they were looking at, and this is how the world changes so quickly. They were looking at the Ebola virus and Zika, which were the two big emerging infectious diseases of the time. Um, and now, of course, you know, we know what happened since February, March of 2020, we have COVID-19. And so then as part of that, CMS again reviewed um, what they had in place for emergency preparedness. And in March of 2021, they released again, a revised guidance um, to surveyors and to all health healthcare facilities under CMS QSO mem memo 2115. And that updated guidance was to be implemented April 16, 2021. And that included those revisions to Appendix Z and the state operators manual. And that really expanded the guidelines to include best practices and planning considerations for preventing and managing emerging infectious diseases, um, especially considering the onset of COVID. And uh, we, we do wanna say that many of the guide, bunch of the guidance surrounding those infectious diseases are recommendations and best practices, not necessarily requirements. But I always say when you're looking at guidance to surveyors, it's a really good idea to see what the guidance is and probably follow that as, as much as you possibly can. So really what we, when we were looking at what we were developing has a guideline. And if you wanna go ahead, Kathy, and put up the emergency checklist outline for me so everybody can see it and I can sort of share it. So you'll see here on the screen, the emergency preparedness plan. And with the, that we've developed that we'll be able to share with all of you, we have an outline and it kind of goes over what I just said, you know, the, the final rule, everything to be effective November, 2019, then the updates to Appendix C in March of 2021. And really the requirement is just really, we, the whole focus of this is increasing safety 
to your residents during an emergency. And now that we all know that, you know, I think we, we were always aware, especially in nursing homes, I think fire was probably the number one. And then there were with flooding. Um, I know in other states, they had to think about earthquakes, uh, hurricanes, uh, tornadoes that weren't so prevalent here in Pennsylvania. I think probably what bad winter storms where we might lose electricity, um, flooding and uh, fire, like I said, were, were things that we probably all thought about within Pennsylvania and West Virginia nursing homes. But now, and now, of course, there's emerging infectious diseases such as COVID or things that we really need to, to think about. So really, we just went down through the, the guidelines of um, Appendix C and what you really wanted to have in place. And there are a couple of different elements, um, you know, the, for, for what we're CMS wanted everybody to look at. There were kind of four core elements of your emergency preparedness plan. And they were first that risk assessment and planning. And then there's, you know, developing your policies and procedures. There's a communication plan, which includes um, specific plans, how you're going to handle specific um, hazards that might occur. And then lastly, training and testing. So what we did with our outline as you can see, as we kind of divided it into sort of those areas, called it something a little bit different, but really the first step is identifying your hazards. And, and the purpose of this is, as I said, we know from, from asking the question of many of you that you probably have much of this in place, but we wanna make sure that you really have everything in place that you need to look at, that even if you have an emergency plan, this is for you to, to take and look at it, make sure that you've included, um, that your emergency plans include each, many of these areas. Um, now, we're, we don't have at this point specific plans in place because we believe that most of you do have those to address specific areas, um, such as fire, tornadoes, how you will handle that. So this is really just an overview and an outline of what you need to really should think about having in place. Now, one thing that's different for long-term care facilities from other healthcare facilities is that we are still um, must make sure that we review and update our emergency plans annually. Um, so uh, it, for some healthcare settings, they can do it every two years, but for long-term care facilities, you must develop and maintain that plan um, annually. So that's something that, that needs, I think, to be reiterated to make sure that that is done annually. And then that risk assessment, the documented risk, risk assessment. There are a lot of different risk assessments out there. The risk assessment that you've decided to use um, to, to make sure that it's really facility-based and community-based um, using the all-hazards approach, but specific for, for your facility, for your community, um, whether you're a standalone facility or you're a continuing care community will make a big difference on what your risk assessment is going to look like. And again, was something that came out um, with the with guidelines is making sure that you're including uh, those missing residents. Um, that has to be a piece of your, your risk assessment. And then those strategies for how you're going to address the emergency events, 
should be. And there are a lot of good risk assessments out there, um, uh, which I know everybody has already started to doing, do the risk assessment. So you should have one, you should have it in place. You should be looking at it, addressing your population um, and the type of services that you in particular provide. So those are the things that you really want when you're identifying hazards that could affect you, your nursing home, your staff, your residents. It's really to be facility and community-based focused. And then there's the communication plan piece of it. And this is where, you know, I think we really learned a lot of lessons from COVID, but in developing that communication plan, I think a lot of people, you know, and I think this is across the board. Some people were more prepared, a lot were not. And it's not just nursing homes. I know we seem to get the brunt of everything that happened and nursing homes, you know, seem to be told over and over again that you didn't necessarily do the best job, which I don't believe is true. I don't think anybody, any healthcare setting was really prepared the way that, that they needed to be for a real event like COVID and the way that it happened and, and the guidance that, that was changing and we were learning as we went along. But I think we have learned a lot from that and your communication plan, you should look at uh, lessons learned. Uh, I think it's, we're past the point where we go back and talk about what people didn't do right. I think we have to look at what did we do or do wrong? What did we do right? And what did we learn from what we did wrong? And then start moving forward. And it's where it's really important when you're looking at your emergency preparedness plans and you're updating and reviewing them, you know, taking a look at, at what were some of the federal, state, and, and local uh, guidance that came along that, that, will be helpful for you to include so that you're prepared for the next time. I think we learned about, you know, making sure that the contact was in place because it wasn't only something that affected residents, but these hazards, these disasters affect staff. Um, We have to have that communication plan in place for which, how we're going to address these things with our staff, with the residents, physicians. Um, Some people use volunteers to help in an emergency. There could be uh, a lot of nursing homes I've worked with over the years, they, they've used volunteers in various capacities and it's perfectly fine to use a trained volunteer. If you know you have volunteers that come in and they're trained and you do things with them, uh, they might live closer than staff does. So you, you should think about maybe including them in your, your um, disaster preparedness plan. And then again, what's your contact information? Who, who is your state and local, your county, your local county department that you really need to be in contact with? I, th- I know all of you know your state licensing and certification agency, your field office, um, uh, but also the Pennsylvania Department of Health, your, your long-term care of ombudsman, have them included in, you know, what are the numbers, the names, how do you reach them? And then also looking at those primary and alternate means for communicating, you have to know how to communicate with all of them um, and also your long-term care facility staff. Uh, and keep in mind, you know, what happens during uh a hazard that that could affect some of those those ways that you communicate. So you can see that's all outlined here with the communication and then that that method for sharing the information and medical document 
documentation for residents that are under your, your facility care. Um, and then if you, and when you're looking at that, how do we share information if we need to evacuate? There could be situations where you do need to evacuate or you may be able to shelter in place. So even if you're sheltering in place, how are you going to address that? How are you going to address the communication? How are you going to address the communication with, with physicians, with family? And, and also providing information about your, your occupancy, your ability to provide any assistance that's necessary. So having those things in place are part of um, your communication plans that you want to have. And then as you talk about, you know, specific plans uh, that ties into your policies and procedures and your policies and procedures are going to be based on on those specific plans that you need for your nursing home. And again, the policies must be reviewed. So your emergency emergency plan should be reviewed and updated annually. Make sure that you're also looking at your policies and procedures um, to see if anything needs changed. They also need to be reviewed and, and updated at least annually. And then you want to look at if we evacuate or if we shelter in place. If we shelter in place, uh, do we have enough food, water, medical supplies for five to seven days? Uh, what are our alternate sources of energy? Um, you know, how can we track staff and where they are um, and how we're going to uh, connect with, with staff? If we have to evacuate, how can we safely do that? You know, do we know who who we call um, a, a local? Do you have a local transportation service that you have agreements with? So those are the things that you know. The outline shows you those things that you really need to think about, and then you develop those more intensely in your policies and procedures. The last part of that. Um, moves into, and of course you, you can read some of this, uh, like I said, those, those arrangements with other facilities, with other healthcare providers, transportation services, all those things that you need to keep in, in mind. And then the other piece of that is again, a review and update and annual training. So you need to make sure that you've, um, for training for the hazards that you've identified for your your facility, your community, you provide that initial training in your policies and procedures to your new and existing staff. Um, any individuals, like I said, sometimes volunteers, um, consistent with their expected roles, you can, you can include them. And then also those outside agencies that need, that you have arrangements for services. Um, how are you including them in your, your training and your planning? And then um, make sure that you have the documentation of the training that you're doing um, so that you can provide that if needed. And then the testing. And we all, you know, as I said earlier, that annual full scale exercise that is community based. So if you're doing the one thing I want to point out, Appendix C does say in particular, if if you're doing uh, one year, you're doing an evacuation for like a fire and um, you're, you're testing, you're, you're doing the drill, you're doing the fire, you're evacuating residents based on that. The following year, you should be doing something based on another identified hazard. So like they don't expect you every year, if you've identified several hazards, um, you should be uh, doing some testing based on, on more than just the one, one area. The other thing if, and, and 
God forbid that this happened to, to, to anybody, but if you do have an actual disaster and you must go through that, you can actually <laughs> use that as your, your annual full scale exercise. Um, uh, you know, I'd much rather go through an exercise than have to go through an actual disaster, but that's something to think about. Um, and then you just really want to make sure that your emergency plan is just documented, uh, based on your risk assessment, the all hazards approach that you're reviewing and updating all of those areas annually. Um, so this is the outline. Then Kathy, if you want to put up the checklist. So then the checklist goes along with that. And, and the checklist I, I liked because we developed it. We, we talked about each of those sections and I'm, I'm a checklist person. I, not everybody is, but I am. And I like to be able to see, okay, this is the element that we want to assess. Do we have it or don't we? And then if we don't have it, this is what we want to work on. And so this is what we, we took the, the outline and we, we made it into a checklist. And we also have a section in there where you can write who completed the checklist and the date. And so that's, you know, you do this, you can review this annually too, to make sure that you have things in, in place. Um, but identifying those hazards, again, we talk about, you know, that community-based, your facility community-based risk assessment, you have that all hazards approach, you're thinking about um, everything that's included in Appendix C, and those community partners that we talked about, all of those things that I, I really just reviewed in the outline, they're, they're here for you to check. Yes, we have this in place. No, we don't. And the one thing that I, we wanted to do is you can, when, when you have access to this, you can print it out if you like to print things out and have paper and, and you can do paper, or you can also complete this electronically. Um, and save it to your computer. Um, and then you can print it out, keep it in a binder. However, you, you decide that, that CMS was not explicit and that's an appendix C also. Um, believe me, when I close my eyes at night lately, all I see is the red letters of all the changes that were made, uh, the, red, the red writing from appendix C. Um, they weren't specific on how you keep this, whether it's a hard copy, electronic or whatever, but just if you do need to show your emergency plan and, and your, your specific plans and that, that you do know where it's at, you can get that documentation easily and show it to whoever might be asking. Um, so we, we did this, so identify hazards, all those elements that should be part of um, that area, there's a yes, no, and then you can use that for noted areas for improvements. And then we moved into the communications, and that would be, you know, looking at your plan and who that includes um, with your staff. Uh, and if you look down there, one of the, the things that we talked about when you when you're talking about your staff, you'll see different different areas um, like who's going to be your incident command person. Um, you, you always want to make sure that you have somebody in charge and a backup. Um, and it can be your facility administrator, but it doesn't have to be. It can be someone else. So you really want to take a look at you know who is your staff, where are they located, how can they be reached. What are their roles? Um, and again, it, this goes through all those things that we talked about with outside agencies and, and how they're going to assist you. And you can continue to scroll down. It talks about the medical documentation. If you're going to shelter in place, if you're going to send them out, 
um, you know, just the different, the different outline of roles and responsibilities and uh, really a lot of just the communication. And these are things that are part of your policies and procedures. And then specific plans. And this is where, you know, you have to think overall about those things, the food, the water, the medical, the pharmaceutical, the, 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 do you have that outside generator in case you lose electricity? Um, those emerging infectious diseases. Uh, honestly, you know, I, I would I never say never anymore after COVID. Like right now, Africa's seeing a real increase in Ebola. Um, keep paying attention to what's going on out there because we never know when everything's so international now, um, be prepared, be prepared for anything that might come along, um, and, and how you're going to address it. And really with those infectious diseases, it's those other questions. Now we did get a lot of response from people and it seems, and, and conversations that we have with many of you, um, we're still doing the QIO is still doing the outreach. If you've had, um, increase in COVID cases or you're, you need to, um, look at uh, increasing your, your booster rates for your vaccines. So we're still doing that outreach along with the quality improvement work that we do, we're doing. And we're, we're hearing from most of you that, and we're seeing that you do have safe visitor policies in place, cohorting. Um, you're prepared, more prepared now for where do we get PPE? What PPE might we need? Um, you know, so, so those things are more in place. But it's just, we've mentioned it in here under the specific plans, things that you need to, to keep track of. And then we really, the training and testing program really just added that at the very end has, you know, a yes, no. I think that's something that each nursing home really has to look specifically at how that's going to, to look for them. Penny, thank you for joining us again today. Thank you all for joining. We really, really appreciate it.